Israel is so much more than Krav Maga or falafel, and Jewish continuity has far greater meaning than watching Fiddler on the Roof with your kids. Welcome to the Thrive Study Abroadcast, the show where we will talk about modern Israel, Jewish values, and everything in between. I'm your host, Adi Isaacs, director of Thrive Study Abroad. For the last 15 years, I've seen how a semester or more in Israel will change a student forever. In this podcast, incredible students and people just like them share how Israel and Jewish values not only inspire them, but empower them to make an impact. Yala, Achi, and welcome to the show. Really nice sitting with you, Charlie, here in the 61st floor, overlooking the entire Tel Aviv right now, the water in the middle of the winter, the beach, uh, now in the Serona Towers. Nice to have you, Charlie. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. So first of all, full disclosure, aside for uh, Charlie being a better tennis player than I am, even though we've never played yet, which we definitely have to play Charlie, Charlie is uh, my first cousin by marriage, so we do like each other a lot. So thank you, Charlie, for coming again also just to spend time with me. Thank you. Just noting Adi is the better ping pong player these days. <laughs> well, Adi, Charlie, I would love to hear, like, where, 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 where are you from? Tell everybody, you know, you have amazing things to say. So I'd love to hear, you know, where, where are you from and uh, where do you go to college? Just a little bit of your background. Sure. So I'm not sure if you can tell from my accent, but uh, originally from Montreal, Canada. I grew up there uh, the first 17 years or so of my life. Actually, before starting college, spent two years in Israel um, studying at uh, Yeshiva, studying Talmud uh, pretty much mo- most of the day. And then I actually highly considered stay- staying there, uh, following and, um, and making Aliyah. Fortunately, at that time, it, di- it didn't work out, but always uh, kept it in-, in the back of my mind. So I then uh, moved over to the States, uh, lived in New York and studied at Yeshiva University. What did you study there? So I studied accounting and finance, uh, but I knew from my years in Yeshiva um, or thought I'd want to be a lawyer and, uh, and go to law school, but was most interested in transactional aspects a lot. So that, that's kind of what led me um, to study business in undergrad, but also took the LSAT and uh, a few law-related courses. And ultimately, after a short, a short stint uh, at an accounting firm, made my way to Philadelphia at Penn to study law. You took a, between college and law school, you took a year to work in an accounting firm? Yeah. So it was, I, I consider it a gap year. Uh, a lot of people didn't, didn't, didn't know it at, at the time. Uh, I valued uh, getting some work experience before, go, before going back to school. Also helped me just as, as a side note, uh, complete my CPA requirements. So because I was an accounting major, uh, I wanted to to complete that certification. Um, and ultimately, again, still, still today, as um, still find some of the things that I learned in, in that job to be very beneficial. Okay, amazing. And then, so you knew when you started accounting that you wanted to go to, to law school the, the following year? Yeah, that was pretty much the plan, as long as, uh, as long as I could get in. So ultimately, where did you get in? So I was lucky to get into a few schools across, across the U.S. and Canada, uh, but uh, really liked uh, the Penn Law community and a lot of the curriculum there. What stood out about Penn Law? Why did you choose Penn? I think I, for school, ha- having spent already a few years in New York and thinking uh, I would end up back in New York, I thought for 
school, especially where I was going to spend a lot of, a lot of time in the, in the library and just on campus, uh, be nice to, to get out of town, but also a place where there was a nice Jewish community. Um, so that, that Philadelphia definitely met, uh, that criteria and specifically about Penn. I just found that the people there to be very, very collegial. It was a little bit of a smaller law school. Um, there were opportunities to also take classes in the business school warden. Um, so I'd say a combination of the, of, of all of that, as well as, uh, my wife or girl, girlfriend at the, at the time agreeing to come. Amazing. So what was your favorite thing about Penn Law School learning both in the school and just overall the experience? Uh, so just one, one thing about law school that I think I always wanted to get out of it is besides for maybe just being a requirement to, to become a lawyer, um, it really taught, taught me how to think um, and just the Socratic method and really diving deep in, in, case, in case law. Uh, sometimes very theoretical, but also reminded me a lot. A lot of Gamara was just very, very enjoyable, uh, and specifically the the business law cases. Learning a lot about um, Delaware law, which has very fascinating cases. Trying to put yourselves in the in the shoes of either directors of a corporation, CEOs, um, or even the lawyers are arguing the case was was very fascinating to me. And, and what did you find the most challenging? components of being in uh, law school yeah um being around i'd say challenging or maybe, maybe intimidating at, at the beginning coming from a smaller school there are a lot of very smart people in the room but at the end of the day uh moving forward i i like to put myself uh in a room where, where i feel like i'm least smart um and, and i think that that helped although it was challenging it also pushed me pushed me a lot, a lot more than some of my previous experiences. Now, in terms of, uh, there, there usually is a, a normative path from being in Penn Law School. When you started and you got accepted and you were excited to go, what was the normative path that you were probably going to be going on? Yes, it was pretty, it was pretty standard. As, as you said, uh, majority of people at Penn Law move on to work at a big law firm. Generally, the choice is just what two what two family names you choose to associate next to yours and what what city you ultimately want to want to live in and maybe which practice a law whether that's transactional litigation within transactional is it m a or capital markets um, so that, that's generally everyone's everyone's path and then there's some people that move on to the public sector too but I'd say close to hundred percent of people all ultimately end up practicing some some form of law and within Penn Law School, you'd say close to a large, a large percentage of the people are getting the jobs that they were looking for. Yeah. Thank, thankfully, uh, again, maybe back, back to your question about, about why Penn, the career um, services group there had a very good placement rate across firms and very, very good, very good relationships. Um, so thankfully, I'd say for a lot of people, the hardest thing was maybe to get into Penn Law. Uh, and then just maybe a little more about the path. So um, try to work as hard as you can um, in the classroom and then maybe network network a bit on the side with uh, with some of the law firms that, that come to visit your campus. Uh, and ultimately, around like the end, 
with me, it was a little complicated with, with COVID. Everything got pushed off. But typically after your first semester uh, in law school, you, you will already start interviewing for what will be your job post-law school. Um, you would first, officially you're interviewing for a summer internship, which you do after your second year, but there's very, they, they normally take you uh, with the expectation that, that, that you'll come back. Yeah. Now, we're currently here sitting in Tel Aviv on the 61st floor in the Sorona Towers looking at the beach in the middle of the winter. Um, and you are an investment banker at uh, Goldman now. Uh, it, that doesn't seem to be part of the normal trajectory from Penn Law. So uh, how did that happen and when did you pivot and how, how did you do that? Yeah, it, it's hard to believe. Um, in fact, uh, this week, uh, my wife and I just just uh, celebrated our, our, our one year Ali anniversary. Um, so uh, maybe to go back to, to some of uh, some of the points I touched on. So while, while I was in Israel uh, for two years, it was in Jerusalem, not too far away. I ultimately decided that although I, I didn't end up staying immediately after yeshiva, uh, that I wanted to end up here, try to build a career here, a family aligned with my values. I'd always been raised in a pretty Zionist family. And it was really just a question of timing. So I always kept them back in my head. And while I was at Yeshiva University, um, while I was at Penn, started to have conversations with people that, that, had, that, that, that had moved. Uh, I initially thought that I would just practice as, as a lawyer here. Um, had known some people that, that had done it. Uh, but what I realized is two things. Some people will say a, bi- a big difference between practicing law in Israel versus practicing in the States. Today, I'd say it's coming more and more similar. There are more, there are actually some international law firms uh, moving here. Uh, but also a- after some of my internships at law firms and, and law school, started to think about whether I wanted to do that so long-term uh, and whether I-, I felt like that would inhibit my, my ability to, to make Aliyah at all. Um, so that's, that, that's one side. And then I was also, um, always interested maybe in the more business aspect of, of, of transactions, whether it was from my accounting and finance days at at Yeshiva University or even at Penn, I had the opportunity to take some classes, um, at, at Warden and really, uh, dive into financial models, try to review different transactions and understand it more from, from the business side. Um, so that's kind of when thinking about alternative careers, the, I thought the most natural one for me was, was investment banking. And, and it was specifically, uh, in Israel that I was most fascinated, uh, over the past few years, I had, I had already been following, uh, the Israeli tech ecosystem for a while. Um, some of you may, may be aware, I mean, Israel is the size of New Jersey, but when it comes to what we call unicorns today, private tech companies valued over a billion dollars. Um, they have, they rank in the top five among the world. And when it comes to amount of capital deployed per capita, they're far above any, any other country. Um, so I, I felt like investment banking in Israel would give me a nice front seat, um, to what, to what was going on in the, in the tech scene and be able to, interact with CEOs, CFOs, and, and guide them um, through some of their most complex uh, transactions. 
So it sounds like from a professional as well as a value based, uh, that's where you were coming to make this decision to pivot was that Israel was important to you. And if Israel was important to you, you were even while in the middle of law school, you decided that you want to do something else to get to Israel. And what's most exciting is, is investment banking. And that basically sums Absolutely, it up. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I definitely, I think uh, you said you hit a spot on, uh, that, yeah, the first question was really where, where do I want to, um, spend my life? And next it was, okay, what, what career, what career would I see myself mo- most happy in most, what would I find most intellectually stimulating stimu- and rewarding? And, and I thought that once I wanted to move to Israel, that I thought that investment banking at Goldman Sachs, other Morgan Stanley, JV Morgan were, um, we're all great options. Very fascinating. So I want to delve into to each one of those each one of those points. And you're a you know fairly young, successful guy um, in the middle of probably top tier of, of of law schools. Tons of options open to you, uh, and you decide that you want to want to pivot in the middle of in the middle of law school. Um, how, how did how did you do that? Again, you were on track to be a lawyer. And all of a sudden now you want to do investment banking. So if somebody is contemplating that, what were the steps that you took that as soon as you graduated, you were an investment banker, you were in addition to a lawyer, also an investment banker. That is number one, what I'd love to, to, for you to, to address everybody with. And number two is, is that how did you have the confidence to make that decision when the peer pressure is probably not like that? Like, was there anybody else that you know of in your class that, that went to investment banking right after law school from Penn? Yeah, both very good questions. I think two most important things to highlight are just first, mazel, mazel and siat, siat and nishmaya. Like I, I, there, you could look back. Meaning and, luck and, and trust and belief in God. Exactly, yeah. Luck, luck and trust and belief in God because... Um, Definitely didn't didn't expect it to, to to play out. I remember, yeah, asking myself if this was feasible, if it was even worth inve- investing the time to try to pivot, or or just maybe again accept and go forward with my law firm job post law school, and then try to figure things out a little later. Uh, so I think it starts with that, and then it's also just just support from um, your loved ones and, me- and mentors around you. So most importantly, my wife, who was just very very supportive, and then. Um, also other, 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 other family members. Uh, I think that that definitely gave me a lot, a lot of confidence as I started to, to invest the time. Um, great. So confidence is one thing, having a great support system, confidence to yourself and other people that show confidence in you is, is huge. Um, but then practically, I know that that you are a great networker and I know that. As we say, (laughs) talkless. Yeah. So it definitely comes to networking and, um, in Israel, specifically for investment banking, um, nowadays there are more and more banks banks on the ground, but it's still a pretty small ecosystem. Um, there are about, not exactly, but maybe roughly 10 international banks and anywhere between, say, 2 to 15 people at, at, at each of these banks. Um, so I tried to... to to network uh, with at least one or two contacts at, at each of these banks, try to both express my interest, but learn more about uh, these people's experiences, how the banks operate, um, 
And how did you um, get to those people? Is yeah. family contacts, obviously, yeah, so but I aside think, for family contacts? So, so there are definitely family contacts, but, but some, in fact, some of the people that end up being most helpful in the process were just cold, like people that I cold emailed or that I, that I reached out to uh, on, on LinkedIn. That's um, amazing. Do you find that that is unique to Israel or would have been, if anybody wants to do this anywhere, that's yeah. a way to so network? I think what was unique is, is although they were cold emails, I targeted people that I thought had maybe a similar story. So, so people that, that also made Aliyah and may, maybe they didn't pivot, but, um, they also came not necessarily knowing so many Israelis and so, and so many people already say maybe in, in the investment banking world. And, and I felt like as, as long as I could show them that I, that I did my research initially, um, and that I wasn't just say interested, uh, just a crazy American looking to, to make Aliyah and, and, and work in investment banking in Israel. Um, I'd say most people were, were pretty receptive. Um, so maybe just translating that to, again, not all of our listeners are, most of our listeners are not making Aliyah, but in terms of the networking processes, you found commonalities. Now, obviously you're, you're, a, you're an intelligent individual at a top tier school um, and then trying to find commonalities and reaching out to people that had commonalities and therefore getting your foot in the door and then starting to yeah. network that way. Yeah, and then maybe just adding also just a, for when it wasn't cold emails, it was a friend, even a friend of a friend helped, right? The, and they didn't have to be so, so close. It, it, it really just matters about finding one, one or two people that are, that are, that are eager to help. Um, and then, and then, yeah, there enough, there, there are enough connections that. Uh, was, was Penn helpful in connecting or was yeah. really on your own? Honestly, I did it. I did it more on my own, more onto the radar, not not talking as much to to law to law classmates. I didn't really know at the, at the time whether this was going to work out. Wanted to keep it pretty private. Um, so ultimately, if you really believe in something and you come up with a strategy and motivated and willing to get a lot of no's, I'm sure people ignoring, but also people helping out. You know, being passionate and excited is what yeah. really helped you get here. Yeah, and maybe the one thing I'll add is is. At the time I was doing this networking, so this was around the summer of 20, um, 2021. So I, I just about finished my, my law school internship, was about to start my final year of law school. Um, I thought that, and thankfully at a little spare time, I thought that that would be a good time to start reaching out. It was about a year a year before I thought I could I, I could make Aliyah. The one thing I learned about Israel is a lot. A lot of these people were very, very friendly to get on the phone, but didn't weren't willing to really interview me already. In Israel, things aren't necessarily as as structured. When an opportunity comes up, um, that's when they'll interview. But what did help at that time is people people remember people remembered me, and I stayed in touch with those people so that when there was a job opening, I wasn't just applying through a portal. Um, I wasn't just reaching out to someone for the first time. Um, they already, they already knew me and I was able to, to kind of, it, it kind of gave me uh, a, le- a leg up in the process. Networking with uh, emotions, meaning not just using yeah. people, but really trying to develop yeah. relationships. Unbelievable. I really, it really is a, a, is an amazing, amazing story that I think everybody can, can learn from in terms of, nope. People, when they're in school, you know, you get yourself into schooling and you think you're on a specific path and you're an example of somebody that 
didn't do what was expected. Uh, if other people are think that they're on a path and then all of a sudden th- their life starts turning, they start questioning things, how, how would you suggest somebody to really take stock of themselves and think if they're able to pivot, if they should pivot, if they shouldn't pivot? What advice would you give to, to other young people like yourself that are potentially going through these, uh, these questions that you had? Yeah. I think one one thing is it can't hurt um, to explore. To I don't think it should stop at just the theoretical. Like don't don't be too afraid at least to to see to to see what's possible. Um, so what I mean is, for me, for example, I could have just I could have just toiled with with the question of should I really be a lawyer? Like, is investment banking more for me? But instead, I, I felt like I did that networking and, and, and research. And then that, that ultimately, um, confirmed like my, my thought process of, of, of wanting to pivot. So I think that's one thing. And I think especially, um, at a, at a younger age, um, you have a lot more flexibility. It could be scarier. You may be around a lot of people that are, that are very set on what they want to do. But I think uh, it's just important to to think to think more more long term about whether you you'd be happy in the in in the current seat you're um, you're working towards. And do do you think in terms of thinking long term? That's a little bit hard for most people. You no, know, really thinking of building up professionally is um, no. H- how would you advise somebody to start thinking long term, even from uh, even from a young age? I think for me it was. As I said a little earlier, it wasn't only about thinking about profession. It was first thinking about the values and what type of family I want to raise. Where do I want to be? I think that's an easier long-term question to ask than exactly what what job I want to be in. And I think that that kind of helped my process. I think with long-term, like, don't don't think that whatever you decide on now needs to, like, you need to stay true to it for, for the rest of your life. I, I just think it's... It's important to always assess your 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 long your long term plan, even at a young age. And from just just spitting back, it seems like from your hierarchy of helping you make decisions, the the first and foremost was where you want to raise your family, where you want to be, uh, and then finding the best profession in that place. And you could potentially pivot even while you're there, as opposed to let me first find the job that I want and then I'll locate there. Was that kind of the process that you took? Yeah, no, especially as, uh, as, as I was getting closer to, to me, to making the move, definitely told myself that bigger thing was again, I'd say when I was telling most people, it was more about making Aliyah and less so about, um, becoming, I'm um, becoming an investment banker. I think that was just part of the means to reach, to reach my, my bigger goal. Just now that now that we have you here, also and heard that amazing story of uh, the decision making process, which I think could really help a lot of people. Just just think about things as they're going through um, their professional decisions. But now, now you're in Israel now. You're in the investment banking world and a great bank. Uh, I'd just would love to hear a few words on how, how you see Israeli investments from the inside. What's exciting about Israel and uh, what's unique about being here? Yeah. It's definitely a very exciting time. As I said, that's something I've monitored for years, I think, especially in Israel tech. Some of the developments over, over the past few years is just we've seen um, a lot more 
different technology companies emerging really across all sectors. Um, so in the past, Israel was always mo- most well known for cybersecurity, given our strong intelligence unit. Uh, but nowadays you have leading multi-billion dollar companies in fintech and enterprise software uh, and even outside of tech, honestly, whether it's some of the big natural natural resource reserves, which which have been discovered over over the past um, few years, and that that's time more on the on the company side, boy, I think is is also interesting, especially as we're sitting today in General Atlantic's office, is uh, the amount of attention uh, foreign and leading international investors are um, are are giving are giving to Israel. The uh, there are more and more people opening up offices here, um, as well as even just making trips to Israel. And I think, yeah, obviously, as the investment landscape in, in general has become more competitive, uh, more and more people are turning to, to Israel as a, as a core market. Uh, I think for, for me, it's, it's very cool to be in a seat where um, in Israel, you're, it's a lot more just, just to be right next to all these very entrepreneurial um, founders who... Um, may already be on their second and third, second and third company and the amount of humility they show, but also the thinking and, and to be able to help them through, um, again, some of the big decisions of, um, when, when, and whether to raise additional capital, whether to become a public company, whether it makes sense to combine with another company or even sell or even sell out, uh, completely is, is very, um, fascinating to me. Thank you, Charlie, so much for your time. Please give a warm uh, hug to my cousin. And uh, looking forward to seeing you at my house for a Shabbos meal or something like that. Thank you. Looking forward. Great chatting with you, Adi. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please help us reach more people by subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For more content like this, visit our website at thrivestudyabroad.org.